G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. So let me ask you something today. How do you go about choosing friends? My hunch is that quite a few of us have never really thought all too much about it. We just have friends. But what if some of them aren't the sorts of people who make good friends? What if those people are actually draining us rather than doing what friends do, making us stronger? I'm Bernie Diamond. Great to be back with you again. Today we're going to take another look at your friendships from a different perspective. And please do stick with me because at the end of today's message, I'll be telling you about our latest life application booklet. It's called How to Build Life-Changing Friendships. And I'd love to send you a free copy to help you develop rich and powerful relationships in this year that lies ahead. Hey, it's always fascinating to me how people choose a marriage partner. What is it that clicks there? What What is it that kind of gets that chemistry going? I was watching a TV special a few months back where a whole bunch of research had been done on this. It was fascinating, really, but despite all the research, they still didn't quite nail what it was. There's something incredible and special about how two people kind of choose one another to become lifelong soulmates. It's one of the great mysteries of God. And the moment I locked my eyes onto the woman who is now my wife, Jackie, there was no one else for me. Not sure how that works, but I'm glad that it does. But have you ever thought about how people choose friends? I remember doing a series on air a few years back about relatives. It was called You Can Pick Your Friends, But You Can't Pick Your Relatives. Boy, did we get a great response to that one. But this idea of picking friends, how does that happen? Because my hunch is that there are a few people who, frankly... We just wouldn't want as friends. There are some people who I know, I can picture their faces right now, who I have to tell you would make terrible friends. And so they don't become friends. I don't let them into my circle because if I did, that relationship would damage me. I'm sure you kind of know a few people like that in your life too. In my own personal devotion time over the past few weeks, I've been spending some time in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. I have to tell you, it's one of my favourite books because you discover so much about who God is and and how he operates and, and what he thinks and how he reacts to things. Part of the story is that Israel demands a king. Up to this point, their system of government has been a theocracy with God as their head of state. But they weaken and they demand a king just like all the other nations around them, as though somehow coming down to their level is a really good thing. So God gives them a king, Saul, having warned the people that it wouldn't work out brilliantly well. But they still demanded the king, so they get what they deserve. And surprise, 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 things ultimately don't go so well. To the point where one day God takes his hand and his divine anointing off Saul and anoints this young shepherd David to be their next king. Problem is, with God's anointing on him, David becomes strong and powerful and popular and successful. Meanwhile, Saul is still the king and becomes incredibly jealous of David. So Saul, not once but several times, sets out to kill young David. Isn't that how it often goes? 
I've a few times in ministry seen a man who's been anointed by God for a role, but at some point it becomes obvious to everyone that God's taken the anointing away. And at that point, I'm thinking of one man here in particular, this man lashes out and tries to destroy the people around him that still have God's anointing on their lives. And so David is in Saul's sights. And in those days, the king had the power of life and death over people. Plain and simple, if the king decided you were going to die, then guess what? You were going to die. Let's have a listen. 1 Samuel chapter 18, beginning at verse 10. The next day, an evil spirit from God rushed upon Saul, and he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre, as he did day by day. Saul had his spear in his hand, and Saul threw the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall, but David eluded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. So Saul removed him from his presence and made him commander of a thousand, and David marched out and came in, leading the army. David had success in all of his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. When Saul saw that he had great success, He stood in awe of David, but all Israel and Judah loved David, for it was he who marched out and came in, leading them. So, King Saul is still king in name only, but the anointing of God, God's power, God's favour to be king, was quite clearly passed from Saul to this young kid, David. And Saul just wants to kill David. Well, obviously, he doesn't, because David goes on to become perhaps the greatest king that Israel ever had. So who or what does God use to stop Saul from killing David? Let's have a look. 1 Samuel chapter 19, beginning at verse 1. Saul spoke with his son Jonathan and with all his servants about killing David, but Saul's son Jonathan took great delight in David. Jonathan told David, My father Saul is trying to kill you. Therefore be on guard tomorrow morning, stay in a secret place and hide yourself. I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak to my father about you. If I learn anything, I'll tell you. Jonathan spoke well of David to his father Saul, saying to him, The king shouldn't sin against his servant David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his deeds have been of good service to you. For he took his life into his hands when he attacked the Philistine, and the Lord brought about a great victory for all of Israel. You saw it, you rejoiced. Why then will you sin against an innocent person by killing David without a cause? Saul heeded the voice of his son Jonathan. Saul swore, as the Lord lives, David will not be put to death. So Jonathan called David and related all these things to him. Jonathan then brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence again as before. See, it turns out that Saul's son, the very man who, according to human logic, would well be the next in line for the throne, decides to save David's life. The question you have to ask is why? What caused him to do that? What was in his head? What was he thinking? Well, because Jonathan took a great delight in David. That's what it says. Saul spoke with his son Jonathan and all his servants about killing David, but Saul's son Jonathan took great delight in David. Something inside Jonathan clicked. He could see what everyone else could. He could see the mighty hand of God on David. He could see the the power of God on David, the favour of God on David. He could see the humility and the power, the goodness of this man, David, who had been anointed to become the king. And so he chose to become David's friend. He stands up to his all-powerful father, King Saul, and defends David. At some risk to his own position, even to his own life, you'd have to say. Remember, Saul could have had him struck down and killed. Such was the power of the king. It seems the way that Jonathan chose David as friend was to see the goodness of God in him. 
Now, not all the people who would be our friends are perfect, are they? But what a fantastic first criterion for choosing a friend. Is this a good person? Is this a godly person? Is this the sort of person that God would choose? Well, as it turned out, David was exactly the sort of person that God would choose. He'd already chosen him to become king. And not according to the world's criteria of looks and outward success and presentation and physical strength and so on. How did God choose David? Well, here is what God said to the prophet Samuel when he was sent to choose a king from amongst Jesse's sons. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. The Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected that one. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And can I suggest to you that when you and I are looking for good friends, friends who will stand up for us, friends whom we can trust, we would do well to choose them as God does, to choose someone after our own heart, to look not on the outward success, but on the character of the man or the woman who would be our friend. Imagine the choices we would make then. I mean, just imagine... If there's one thing that the events of last year taught us, it's that when the chips are down, we all need friends whom we can lean on and support at the same time. And yet as life gets back to normal in this rush, rush, rush of real life, it's so easy to let friendships slip. That's why I'd love to send you a free copy of our latest life application booklet. It's called How to Build Life-Changing Friendships to Help You Develop Rich and Powerful Relationships in this year that lies ahead. And at the end of each chapter, you'll find a series of life application questions to help you think through and apply God's Word right into your relationships. You can request your free copy right now. Either stop by at ChristianityWorks.com or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415 and we'll send your booklet straight out to you in the post. Again, that's ChristianityWorks.com or 1-300-722-415. Hey, thank you so much for joining me. I'm Bernie Diamond, and I'll catch you again same time tomorrow with a different perspective. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.